Welcome to the Enchanted Ears Podcast, where we discuss anything and everything Disney. I'm Angela. And I'm Joe. And on today's episode, we have our interview with AJ from Disney Food Blog. Woo! So, blog, you probably know from the YouTube videos um, that she narrates all about Disney. So She's a powerhouse. Yes. We had, we had a great discussion. Obviously, we get into food, so we kind of <laughs> talk about some of her favorite places to eat. And we also asked her about the Disney dining plan. I know it's something we've talked a lot about whether it's worth it or not. And they actually do some studies behind it. And so it was really interesting to hear what the results were. So definitely stay tuned for that. Yeah. So we'll jump into the interview now, and then we will cover Disney news afterwards. Okay, so we are happy to be joined this week by owner and executive editor of the Disney food blog, AJ Wolf. AJ, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. It's great to be here. Well, we appreciate you being here. Yes. So I want to start off by asking, I like to ask this of all of our guests, what got you interested in Disney first? And then I guess specifically Disney food, because Disney food blog (laughs) is is very specific. So if you could maybe, you know, talk about why you got started. Yeah. So, um, you know, I I used to go to Disney World with my parents um, for spring break. You know, when I was a kid, we would drive down from New York and we'd stay at the beach and we would go um, to Disney World for like one day or two days, you know, and we'd do like rope drop to fireworks and then drive back to the condo we were staying in or whatever. Around about, in, I think in the 90s, when Blossom and her family went to Disney World, <laughs> I was like, Mom and Dad, we have not been to Disney World in a really long time. And Blossom and her family went. And we should totally go. Because I was a teenager at that point. We hadn't been since I was little. <clears throat> and so my parents were like, okay, that sounds cool. And so we went back to Disney World. And then uh, after that, I sort of got hooked on it when I was in college doing my master's degree and then when I moved to New York City Disney World sort of became this um idyllic location where it was clean all the time and Mm -hmm. there weren't bugs everywhere which of course (laughs) there are bugs everywhere it's in Florida right but like you didn't see them as like they weren't like in your kitchen the way they were in my kitchen in New York and so it was just sort of this perfect place that I could escape from New York, which I consider the anti-Disney World. Like everything <laughs> about New York is very, very different yes, that's from true. Disney World. Um, and so it was like an, it became an escape for me when I was in my early 20s um, and then just sort of got hooked after that. And then why food? Are you, do you have is like your background in food at all or you just Oh, I just, just really like to eat a okay. lot. Girl, so I feel you. <laughs> that was pretty much it as I, you know, it's funny because in the In the 2000s, you know, everybody was on forums. We didn't have smartphones back then. Mm -hmm. You didn't have Twitter. You didn't have Facebook. You didn't have, you know, social media. And so everybody was on Disney forums. And um, I would get on the Disney forums and I would be looking for information about food. And there just wasn't a whole lot of it. People were talking about rides and people talked about hotels. And Mm -hmm. food wasn't as, as represented And so I personally was planning my trips around food because I was, I wanted to go to all the restaurants and I wanted to eat all the snacks and, um, there wasn't anybody really covering that in depth. And I knew that people were spending a lot of money 
on food. And so um, I also knew that there had to be some sort of tribe out there that loved the food as much as I did <laughs> and that was thinking about it as much as I was. And so that's how <laughs> Disney Food Blog kind of got started as I was like, I mean, I think on my about page, it still literally says, you know, don't lie, you love it too. Because back then in 2009, people weren't talking about it. And I was like, it was it was like a stigma, you know? Yeah. So I said, you love it too. And now, of course, with with um, social media and and smartphones, it's, it's probably one of the most talked about things. In yeah, Disney you World. definitely fill in like a, a good niche because, I mean, whenever I first went to Disney, I had no idea the food was as good as it is. Um, I just because if you just eat at some quick serves and stuff and you don't really like kind of search it out, you might not realize all the fantastic treats there are. So, I right. mean, you can definitely help to enlighten so many people to, like who are coming to Disney. Yeah. And who are making choices about how to spend their money on food and you have to eat. And so, mm -hmm. true, you yeah. know, you don't, but you don't have to eat badly. Exactly. So does it become difficult to keep up with the changes to menus and new restaurants? Um, it, it is difficult if you don't have like an incredible team like we do. Mm -hmm. Um, I think if you were just starting out, to do a blog like this that you wanted to be comprehensive. Now, of course, when I first started back in 2009, I I was a one I was a solo show. I was a one person, you know, company and I lived in Texas, so I could only go to Orlando so often. Mm -hmm. Um but when I went, you know, I would write about the stuff and I would take pictures and I would do all of that. Um but it's it's slowly grown into um, a website that's extremely comprehensive. And mm -hmm. I don't think there is anything that changes that we're not aware of, that we don't know about and that we don't try um, and explore. And so through the years, we've gotten to the point where, um, you know, we know pretty much everything that's on property. And if we don't know it, we'll find it out real soon because we're, we're at all those locations um, at least once a week, if not multiple times a week. So, um, yeah, so it, it would absolutely be difficult if you were one person or two people to do that. Um, but if if you have a team um, who's as great as our team, then it it it, gro it, it grows organically. Okay. And now, you know, you've grown past a blog, you have a YouTube channel now. I know yeah. one of the recent videos you did was on how COVID has impacted the way you approach food in the park. So can you maybe talk about what, what's the biggest change that all the new restrictions in place and everything that, ha how has that impacted food for, for the Disney parks? Well, it's, you know, it's funny cause we, we did a lot of wondering about how it would impact food when the parks reopened, when the resorts reopened. Um, and we were kind of half right about that. What's happened is the menus are much smaller um, at pretty much every location, um, because whether that's because of sourcing difficulties due to COVID or just the fact, and I think this is more the case, just the fact that um, those people planning the menus kind of knew there would only be so many people in that restaurant at a given time because you the restaurants are, are limited capacity. And when the parks first reopened, there just weren't that many people going to Disney World. And so there wasn't a lot of sense in making a very, very extravagant, broad menu of food and buying all of that food 
that people wouldn't be eating um, because there weren't enough people in the restaurants to eat it. And mm-hmm. so they kind of shrunk their menus down to just either their most popular items or the items that were easily sourceable and easy to make with social distancing in the kitchen. Um, so for example, the super popular beloved um, goat cheese ravioli at California Grill did not come back on the menu when California Grill reopened over there at Contemporary Resort. And I talked to the chef about it and he said, the th- what's necessary to make that dish, it's hard to do with all the social distancing we need to have in the kitchen. So I don't know what that means. I don't know if there's like <laughs> two chefs have to be like right next to each other to make the ravioli. I don't know. But I mean, that's kind of what he said to me is, is we're only making the thing. Maybe it's that, you know, if you happened to make that, there's something else that another chef would need to make that they'd have to be next to you if those two things were being made at the same time or something like that. So there are a lot of different things that I think are contributing to the menus being smaller. Other other changes, of course, is are that that you can only eat at restaurants you have a reservation for. And that sort of started to impact even lounges, places you didn't need reservations for in the first place. Some of our reporters are getting are being asked to make a walk-up wait list reservation mm, to okay. go into Nomad Lounge, which you never oh, would wow, have to whoa. do before. So that's something that's another way that things are being impacted um, by by COVID and by the response that the that the parks are taking. So also you can't get into the the hotels if you don't have a dining reservation or a mobile order. Or, um, or a hotel reservation. So that's causing a lot of difficulty with, you know, people would normally just go to a hotel to eat or they'd escape from the park and go to this hotel. But there are circumstances that, that you have to fulfill in order to get into those hotels now. So a lot of different, a lot of things have changed. Um, and it's a completely different normal than it was before. And it's really driven mobile ordering too, right? Don't most of the restaurants, even like quick service and things, kind of prefer that you do the mobile order as opposed to even just walking up to them? So mobile order is practically required right now at at those quick service locations, even in the hotels. So basically, if you're not going to mobile order, you, you can absolutely go in and pay with cash or if you have an allergy or something like that, you there are ways that you can go in to, you know, order at a kiosk. Um, but it, but it is strongly requested that you don't do that if you don't have to. Yeah. Interesting. And, and over the years, you know, you've covered a lot, like you said, I mean, there's, there's a ton of restaurants, somebody or your team is eating at, at, at these restaurants every week. Um, you have a lot of interesting videos I, on your YouTube channel. And it's the breadth of information that you have is just unbelievable i went on just to check out like vegetarian meals it was just it was crazy like there were so many articles about it that i was just shocked at how much how much you guys have have been able to cover so i'm glad to hear that because i don't feel like we cover vegetarian as much as we probably should so i'm glad that you were able (laughs) that you found valuable information there (laughs) yeah yeah and 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 what i was gonna ask is so of all the the restaurants and all the different topics you've covered so far. And, uh, you know, since you started this in 2009, what's the most interesting kind of topic that you have covered personally? Like what, what have you been most excited about? Let's see. That's a good question. I, I love to cover new restaurants, like brand new restaurants <laughs> that are just opening. It was, it was super fun to cover galaxy's edge when that, so I think probably mm-hmm. stuff that's just opening that we're getting to experience for the first time, 
Um, I mean, that's, that just makes you completely giddy. I think another thing that I really, really enjoyed, um, was being able to go to 21 Royal over in Disneyland and, you know, my, (laughs) yeah, I mean, but my, my group of friends decided that that's something that we wanted to experience. We wanted to do. And so we, we, we found the money and, and we paid to, to do that. And something that's, great about that experience specifically is because there's so much history in that particular location and the way that they've set up that experience um is is very much what you make of it and so if you have a group of friends like if you were to go with your you know your company and you're going with like Ted from accounting and he's not <laughs> fun or whatever like that wouldn't be as great but because I was there with a group of friends and and we just had a blast and so that I think that experience was wonderful mostly though because I got to combine two things I love you know f- strong friendships and you know D- Disney and Disney history um as well as of course excellent excellent food so that was really great but I think overall just trying all the new things that that getting the opportunity to experience these brand new restaurants and and to and to have a reason to go to those things is such a is such a blessing it's just so much fun because i still want to go to all that stuff like i want yeah. i want to try the new restaurants and i want to experience the new menus and the new dishes and um in the new rides and stuff like that so it's it's really awesome to be able to also say oh well i have to do this for work but i mean <laughs> I would be there anyway. Yeah, I, I feel like as I've as I've gotten older, that's like the thing I want to ride is the food. So <laughs> I right? feel you. exactly. <laughs> that's my favorite ride. Well, I mean, in our tagline is "food is a theme park," which mm-hmm. you yep. know I came up with however many years ago, twelve years ago. But it's still it's still true. Like that. Like where is my food theme park? When do I get mm-hmm. to go? to, you know, a theme park that's all about food, which is probably New York City. So I probably should have <laughs> stayed there. <laughs> Prince's Pizza. <laughs> <laughs> right? Well, I, I mean, Epcot, I, I think over the past, you know, probably decades since you've started, you know, food and wine was big, but now it's it's a different festival all year now. So, mm-hmm. I mean, food is basically what Epcot mm-hmm. has become. So, yeah, I think yeah. And Disney wave, Springs, right. too. I feel yeah, like Disney true. Springs yeah. has yes. grown so much because when I first started, you know, it was still downtown Disney and mm-hmm. very different experience than it is now. But they've brought in so many great chefs and so yeah. many great restaurants to Disney Springs that I often start, I you know, people are like, oh, Epcot is where all the food is. I'm like, honestly, Disney Springs where all the food <laughs> is at this point. Like there's more, probably more great restaurants in, in Springs than there are in Epcot at the moment. Well, not to throw Joe under the bus right here, but do you okay. would you like to know where Joe wants to go to eat every time we go to Disney Springs? Which, sure. He wants to go to Blaze Pizza. We have one within five minutes <laughs> of our house. He wants Is to go to Blaze Is it not the Pizza. same, Joe? Is it not no. the same if it's not Disney Blaze? <laughs> It does taste better. It's a much bigger. I think what it is is I like to sit along the water there. So like Blaze, uh, Deluxe Burger, all those restaurants that are like right have the open seating right along the water. I think that's what it is. It's just the atmosphere of it. Sonia, I was like Blaze Pizza is a phenomenon that I don't really understand because people (laughs) in Orlando are in love with it. And they and locals go there all the time. Um, And I'm like this. I have one of these 
where I live. Like, why yeah. would I want to go when I'm in Disney World? Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many other things I could eat here. And so, I mean, it's I'm to each their own because a lot of people do not understand why I love some of the stuff I love. They just don't get it. So, yeah, but people do love it. People love Blaze and they are here for that. Now, one thing you, you mentioned earlier was the opening of Galaxy's Edge. And, and this is kind of one thing I wanted to get your opinion on. Um, a few months ago, we had uh, Len Testa from Touring Plans on it, and his kind of hot take on Galaxy's Edge was that's kind of a failure in its current form. Just there's not a lot going on to it. And it kind of got me thinking, knowing we were going to talk to you about the food in Galaxy's Edge. I, I know there was a lot of hype around the different milk options, and I think a lot of people aren't really <laughs> thrilled with them. There's no real restaurant that you can get like a lot of food at. I mean, Oga's Cantina, they're not really serving food. They do have... Um, Ronda Roasters. Yeah, Ronda Roasters that has some some wraps. So I, do, you, do you feel that from a food perspective that Disney kind of missed out on an opportunity with Galaxy's Edge? I have never been a huge fan of Galaxy's Edge food. Um, they, I mean, they certainly have enough food there for the size of the land because they've, they've got... Doc Ondars, they've got Ronto Roasters, not Doc Ondars, I'm sorry, I'm an idiot. They've got Docking Bay 7, they've got Ronto Roasters, they've got, um, you know, and they've, and they've got, you know, the, the popcorn stand. So like, okay, you need a pretty, pretty large counter service location done. You've got an extra kiosk done. You've got your popcorn location done and you even have a bonus bar, right? Which, you know, Mm. Toy Story Land doesn't have a bar, right? So, oh, yeah. I mean, they like Toy Story Land has significantly fewer food options mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. than Galaxy's Edge. Um, and I think it's, you know, it, I think Galaxy's Edge is larger, but I think you're going to spend a similar amount of time with the number of rides you're going to ride and stuff like that. But I've never really loved Galaxy's Edge Edge's food. Um, cause it's just not my, it's just not my thing. It's not my jam. A lot of people love it. Um, <laughs> especially all of the vegetarian, the vegetarian options there. And they've got very unique and different food, which I'm here for. Like I, <laughs> if you want to give me a counter service location that doesn't just have burgers and, you know, puffy pizza, that's great. I'm mm-hmm. game for that. So there's a lot of stuff there that people can try. I don't think there's a lot there for little kids, um, I think if your kid doesn't like mac and cheese, they're kind of out of luck at Galaxy's Edge. Um, so there's, you know, there's definitely that's something that I tell. And, you know, this is my thing. Like when I'm when I'm talking about food in Disney World, I never say if it's good or bad. I say, you know, who it's for because we all have different yeah. tastes. And, yeah. you know, if I you know, Angela's going to go someplace that, that I'm not going to go. Cause I just want a huge steak. Right. And so mm-hmm. like, we're going to have different ideas of what's the, the best restaurant in Disney world. And so it's not my job to say this is, this is good or bad. It's my job to say your family will, this will be right for your family because, and when it comes to galaxy's edge, you know, if you have little kids, if you have picky toddlers, get your food outside Galaxy's Edge and then come in and enjoy it because that just makes sense. You're not going to find a whole lot there that your kid's going to just dig and, and love. So, yeah, so I think Galaxy's Edge is great for a lot of people. Um, but for me, you know, I am, you know, I like different, I like different food than, than what I find there. I love the Ronto wrap, but that's pretty much my favorite thing. So, yeah. Are you a fan of the milks? <laughs> I don't like the milks. No, I really don't. Um, 
I do. Again, I do think that's something everyone should try, especially if they're, mm-hmm. yes. you know, Star Wars fans. Like, sure, man, go try. I, I think everybody should eat in the castle one time. I don't think you should eat there more than once because I think <laughs> that's a that's like a mortgage payment. But, um, you know, got to try that. You got to try that stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think we barely choked down the milk, but we got the alcoholic version. <laughs> we were just like, we kept drinking it. We're like, this is going to get better. Well, well, we got one. We got one that was just chilled in Oga's Cantina. And then we got like the frozen one outside. Yes. And definitely yes. the, the frozen ones are better. that are kind of like the slushies. Yeah. Once we actually drank through the alcohol, the milk that was left was decent. Okay. It was sugar water, but it was decent. Yeah, it was worth trying. Yeah, I, I don't know that I'd really get it again, but definitely yeah, it was worth either. trying. No, I, I, yeah. I mean, once was enough for me. Another thing I want to get your opinion on is Disney dining plans. So I know right mm-hmm. now the dining plans aren't an option, but do you recommend them to people? Like, do you see that they're a good value? Because I know, and maybe it's just because there's only two of us. I think we've always struggled with yeah. it, it doesn't seem like that the value's there. Um, especially with you know some of the restrictions you have. So being invo- as involved with the food and everything as you are, mm-hmm. do, you, do you think those are a good value? Do you recommend them to people? So we do that research every year because, um, you know, they always sort of mm-hmm. mess with the yes. price every year and they mess with how, how much you get and what, you know, and stuff like that. And just this year they added the Disney Dining Plan Plus, which is kind of in between – the deluxe dining plan and the standard dining plan. And, you know, so we, for our guidebook that we put out every year, we play, we play with that. We, we actually plan out an entire trip with, um, you know, eating, um, eating at, at all these different locations for a full, a full day to see, okay, this is how much it would cost to eat as much food as is on the dining plan. If you weren't on the dining plan, if you were paying out of pocket, here's what it would cost you for this amount of food. And here's how much the dining plan costs. So we have to work really, really hard to make the dining plan a better deal than paying out of pocket, which means you've got to get the lobster. You've got to get the steak. You've got to, you know, use those alcohol allotments every single time. Um, And so if you are using if you are eating all of the food on your plan and drinking all of the alcohol on your plan, and if you are getting the most expensive food items you can, meaning the most expensive snacks you can get and the most expensive entrees you can get, then you will come out about $5 ahead of the game. $5? You know what I mean? That's like, it? So that's, that's, our, that's based on our research. And this has been the outcome for several years of us doing, doing, you know, kind of literally getting out the calculator and planning out if, you know, if mom gets the lobster, if dad gets the steak, if kid number one gets the chicken nuggets, if kid number Mm -hmm. two get, you know, whatever. Um, and so the, the, the savings has been around about five to $10 if you do all of that stuff, which I don't think many people are that would do that. Yeah. Careful about everything they buy. Yeah. And so basically, if I'm going to recommend the dining plan, it's going to be for a different reason um, that 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 is not saving money. So a lot of times people want to get the dining plan because 
then their their food is prepaid, prepaid and they don't have okay. to worry about the bill coming when they get home. Mm-hmm. They've already yeah. budgeted that. They've taken it into consideration. They've paid for it. But in that case, you also have to remember that tip is not included. So you're going to have to pay gratuity okay. when you're at the restaurant. So it's not a situation where, oh, I can just leave my wallet at home. Like you still have to bring your wallet because you still have to pay gratuity for every meal. Um, well, every table service meal, I should say. And so that's, you know, that's one reason why people might want to get the dining plan is for is for that peace of mind. I've already paid for all this. I'm not going to get a crazy th- multiple thousands of dollars credit card bill when I get home. Um, and also, I think people just like to know that it's taken care of, that they can go into any restaurant, any location and just, you know, get get what they want. And it's, you know, it's it's sorted. You know, they don't have to worry about how much it costs. They've already paid for it. So that's another sort of peace of mind. When you're in Disney World, you can just not care and just order, you know, yes, you can order the lobster if you want to, you know, because if you're if you're paying out of pocket, you may be like, oh, you know, no, Jimmy, don't get us, yeah, you know, that, right? don't, you can't order this super expensive thing or whatever. So when I do recommend it, it's for that reason. If it gives you peace of mind, if you're happy to just have that whole thing just wrapped up in a package, like you buy a package from Disney and that's included mm-hmm. and you just pay that money and you're done, you don't have to worry about it anymore. Great. But if you want to save money, you're probably not going to save money on the dining plan. That's good to hear some of the the data behind it. Cause yeah. that, that's always been, that's been our feeling. stance for yeah. the most part is I would kind of go through and be like, okay, I have to spend X amount a day, just kind of rough numbers knowing, you know, yeah, like about what we spend on quick service meals or things. I'm like, it, it never really added up to me. And I was always like, am I missing something? So that's good to hear yeah. some of that data behind it. If you, you have to kind of go most expensive item everywhere <laughs> to even maybe get close to exactly and it it just breaks my heart too to see all these people on their last day at disney who still have like 20 snack credits and they're just Mm. buying like water bottles and stuff and i'm like that's just a waste of your like you just threw money away that's not Mm -hmm. worth it and then there's also people who are just you know there's always something in disney world that's gonna make like make you angry because you're so amped up and stressed out that you need to have fun you know and dining plan is one of those things where people are like, well, I just don't want to eat another giant meal today. And it's like, no, we have to eat this meal. We paid for it already. You know, so, you know, there's definitely some emotional repercussions when you feel like you're required to eat that much food. It's a lot of food. And what I always tell people is Disney does their research. They're not dumb. They know how much people normally eat in the Mm -hmm. parks and how much a family normally eats in the parks. So, you know, they're going to, they're going to put that that dining plan at the very top end of what most people eat in the parks. And then they're going to price it right above that, you know, yeah. so it's right. they're not dumb. They know that most people can't eat that much food or won't eat that much food in the park. Right. And that's kind of that, that flip side of that coin of the peace of mind of paying ahead of time. But then, like you said, when you're there, right. That pressure you- of, Oh, now I need to spend it all. Because <laughs> right. I, or I, I have pre- to find the most expensive it. snack. Right. So I Unless guess, you're you know, like, Kobayashi with Mickey bars. I mean, there's right, definitely exactly, which maybe you are, in which case get the dining plan. I mean, I feel like the brain freeze on that one would be so severe though. That would be rough. That would be rough. And a Mickey bar is not a good use of a snack credit, by the way, those are not expensive enough. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So if you could only eat at one restaurant at each park for the rest of your days, okay. what would they be? Oh, goodness. Um, let's see. Magic Kingdom, I would probably eat at 
Um, I'm a I'm a big Liberty Tree Tavern fan. Like I'm only gonna stick to ca- to table service, by the way, because if okay. you bring in counter service and everything, I will literally have to be here with a spreadsheet, and we're not gonna get out of here. <laughs> so, pro- I mean, Liberty Tree Tavern to me is like it's always gonna be decent food. I know what I'm getting. Um, it's not all that overpriced. Whereas I feel like, and I mean, the plaza is great too, but I do, you know, I kind of like the options at Liberty Tree better. So I'd probably go with that one. Epcot, I would, I would probably do Garden Grill all day. I mean, I, I, mm-hmm. I love Garden Grill. I think it's so cute. I think the characters are so much fun and they, it's a smaller character meal. So the characters get to come around and see you a little more often. I love that you're in the land pavilion. I get that great 80s Epcot mm-hmm. vibe there. Mm-hmm. So I dig that. Although I, I know I mean, I know I should say Takumi Tai. I know I should, you know, I should say, <laughs> you know, Chefs de France. And, um, you know, I, I absolutely should not say Garden Girl, but I'm going to say Garden Girl. Um, let's see. Hollywood. No shame. I said Blaze earlier. That's, <laughs> That's true. That's true. So what are you going to do? Um, Hollywood Studios, I would probably end up at Hollywood Brown Derby, even okay. though I do I, mm-hmm. I do love 50s primetime and I love sci-fi. I think those are the most themed restaurants in Disney yes. World right now, and they're so much fun. But from a I can only eat there, like I can only eat there for the rest of my days, then I mean Brown Derby has the best food. So I would go there. And then let's see where else. Who am I missing? Animal Kingdom. Yes. I'm a big Yak and Yeti fan in Animal Kingdom. I really yeah. like Yak and Yeti. I don't like Rainforest Cafe. Um, and so Yak and Yeti's kind of my, you know, my option. I love the Tiffins is fine, but I I do I have a hot take is that I I feel like it's a little overpriced for what you get. Mm-hmm. Now I know people love Tiffins, and that's great if that's your jam. Um, but for me, I'd much rather go to Nomad Lounge and just hang and have, mm-hmm. you know, the bread yes. service from Tiffin's and not actually have to spend the money at Tiffin's. So I, I would probably go to Yak and Yeti because I really, I really like that restaurant. So is, uh, is Garden Grill your favorite character meal then too, or? Oh yes, absolutely. By far Garden Grill is my favorite character meal. I do, I do have a soft spot for Ohana breakfast. Cause I, I mean, I, I stand a family style character meal like I don't want to get up and have to go to a buffet I think going to buffets <laughs> is is a huge hassle especially if you have children mm-hmm. yeah. um and I I I'd rather not see what happens to the food that I'm about to eat like I've seen too many little kids lick mashed potato spoons oh, yeah. you know what I mean so what kind of monsters are they? I mean, I'm just, it's just, and I, and I have a little kid. So like, I'm, yes. I'm not, I'm no, not saying, true. I'm just saying that that's, you know, I don't need to see it. Whatever happens in the kitchen is fine. I don't need to see it in front of me. Like what's, what's going on out? with the food. So that's I will, true. I will take a family style character meal every day. <laughs> and what are your favorite snacks? Those change a lot because the snacks change a lot. You know, ever since Disney sort of realized that people were, um, that food sort of had become a, a destination, um, mostly from the perspective of social media, that people will go to a park to get a specific snack just to Instagram it. They've re- really started introducing a lot of different stuff, a lot of new yeah. things regularly and things change out a lot. Um, and so I think my personally, my favorite snacks, what I'm going to go eat every time, I really like the um, 
the Dole Whip on top of a pineapple upside down cake at Aloha <laughs> Isle. I love citrus swirls. Um, I like the spring rolls in the Magic Kingdom, which you could absolutely get frozen from your grocery store. But for <laughs> some reason, I just, I mean, I'm like, they're just great. Um, that Nutella waffle is fantastic. So Ooh, it's I kind don't of think like, I've had that one. Oh, no. Oh, it's a, it's a big, it's a Belgian waffle spread with a bunch of Nutella and piled with, um, with blueberries, strawberries, Where do you and get that bananas. So that's over at Sleepy Hollow. Okay. Um, but that's... Uh, we'll have to get that next Yeah, moment. we... Yes. <laughs> no, it's excellent. It's really, really good. Um, Make the reservation so now. <laughs> those are probably some of my favorite. Interestingly, those are all in Magic Kingdom. So there's there's, mm. a, there's tons of others, but those are some that I that I love. Now, if you are on the dining plan, what is the most expensive snack? Like, what, what snack should you be getting all the time? <laughs> so right now, interestingly, um, the most expensive snacks are either going to be expensive items at Epcot festivals okay. or because those sometimes run into the eight and nine dollar range or it's go oddly it's going to be there's a random funnel cake at um, a place called Epic Eats in Hollywood Studios that runs about eight dollars. And that's kind of your most expensive snack. There are some that are in the seven dollar range and are pushing towards that eight, but that I believe based on our most recent research, that's the most expensive um, dining plan. Um, what dining plan able? I can't think of the word. Viable, so that's the, that's the target. Eight, around eight, that $8 range. That's, that's what you're targeting. If you can find a snack for $8 that you can use your dining plan for <laughs> eligible, that's sort of like a dining plan eligible, eligible snack for $8, then you're, you're, you're good to go. This sounds kind of like it would be a fun challenge, though, a little bit. Like <laughs> there's somebody out there that's like, how much money can I spend? Yes. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And that's and that's why I say, you know, there are certain things you should not buy with your dining plan snack credits because, mm -hmm. you know, never buy water with your dining plan snack credit because it's not expensive enough. Anything, you know, anything under under like six ninety nine, not worth it. Don't don't do it. Now, are there any um, snacks or food items at the restaurants that you love that Disney no longer has anymore that you wish they would just bring back? Oh, there's a bunch. We've done a bunch of blog posts about this with like stuff that um, we've, we've really loved that, that hasn't come back. Honestly though, none of them are coming to mind. So you'd have to go to the blog and read those um, because there have been some items. One, okay. I'll tell you one that's coming to my mind that Ohana used to have um, cheesy potatoes, like a gratin potatoes oh, instead yeah. of their noodles. That's what they had pre noodles. And I loved those. And I was very, very sad when they took those away. Um, but honestly, the other things that I've really loved have sort of come back. Um, like over at Sci-Fi, not Sci-Fi, over at 50s Primetime, they had this um, fried Borsan cheese, which is just a just a wheel of Borsan cheese that they threw in a fryer, but it's really good. And they took it away for many years and then they finally brought it back. And the citrus swirl they took away for many years um, and tried to pass off this orange Dole Whip as being citrus swirl, which totally wasn't. And then they finally brought that back. Um, and they took away the Ohana noodles for a little while, for like a few days. And I think there was such outcry that they brought those back. <laughs> so like they're bringing back a lot of stuff that, that, you know, people have been like, no, 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 that's not okay that you're taking that away. So that's, that's good as I do mm -hmm. feel like, um, you know, in those, they're, they're able to see through social media, what's, what's becoming 
problematic for their fans <laughs> if they if they change. But you know the um, the Ohana potatoes are definitely something I missed. But the noodles are fine. I'll take the noodles. <laughs> So that is one thing that we can at least thank social media for, <laughs> is, is that one thing, saving Disney snacks that we all love. Some of them, yep. Some of them get, some of them get brought back because of the, you know, the um, change.org petitions and things <laughs> like that. I, I genuinely have no idea if Disney's looking at that stuff or not. Like I tell, what I tell people is you vote more with your wallet than any sort of petition yeah. you sign online. So, you know, if you don't, if, you, if you're upset about a particular thing and you need to stop going to that restaurant until they change it back. Yeah. Anything you feel is just wildly overrated that you just don't understand why Disney keeps it around or, or why people keep buying it. So many things. Um, <laughs> you know, a lot of this, a lot of that stuff that I think is overrated falls into the category of like the, like the, like the blue milk, right? Like mm-hmm. the stuff that you kind of have to do because it's a rite of passage. Um, but I, I don't know why they can't make it like more palatable, you know, literally and figuratively. So, I mean, a good example is, is chef Mickey's. I feel like chef Mickey's as a, as a concept is hugely overrated. It's extremely expensive. It's extremely stressful. There's just so much going on there and it's a buffet and, the food isn't excellent and you've got, you know, you're paying so much money to see that character one time. Right. Yeah. It's rare that they come around twice at that restaurant and Disney does kind of, they seat in waves. So like you get seated at that restaurant and you, you know, you're being rushed out, you know, they're trying to turn that table. They make sure that you see the character and then they're like, did you see the character? And you're like, yeah. And they're like, okay, here's your check, you know? And it's yeah. just not a good experience. Now, of mm-hmm. course, that's changed with COVID. Chef Mickey's doesn't have characters currently. They're not coming back until December. And right now, it's real pleasant at Chef Mickey's because it's not <laughs> hectic and crazy. And it's a, it's a it's an all-you-can-eat still, but it's a family-style meal. They bring it to your table, and there's not just the in, the – sheer insanity that that restaurant was before. And so mm-hmm. to me, it's kind of like there are other character meals that are much better food wise and experience wise. Mm-hmm. So why would you kind of suffer through Chef Mickey's? And and I say this being someone who has literally been to Chef Mickey's probably four times in the past two years because <laughs> I had a six year old and he wanted to go to Chef Mickey's and that's why people go, you know? <laughs> so, uh, you know, those are the kinds of things I think that are overrated. Like, like Cinderella's Royal Table. Why would you, you know, why would you pay that much money um, to see some princesses? But I get it. You want to eat inside the castle. That makes perfect sense. And I recommend that you do it at least once. So, you know, I was those are say, kind of the things I see. Yeah. I was going to say, do you, do you think that a lot of people, going to Disney world, just don't do the research and don't realize that like chef Mickey's or, you know, Cinderella's Royal table are kind of very stressful, hectic, you know, meals, or like you said, people just have young kids that, Hey, I want to see Mickey. I want to see the princesses. So they they kind of just have to do it, you know, knowing full well what they're getting themselves into. Uh, 
I don't think people know what they're getting themselves into if they're going on their one Disney trip and it's one and done and they just, they're going because their kid won't stop bugging them about going to Disney World. They have to go. Or like for some reason, all the other moms are taking their kids to Disney World. So for some reason, they feel like they're required, it's a requirement or something. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's kind of like if you think about, hey, if I'm going to go, I'm going to get on an airplane and I'm going to fly to Portugal. Right. Like, mm-hmm. I know nothing about Portugal. I don't know where the good places to eat are. I don't know that this restaurant is a garbage fire. You know, how am I supposed to know that? How do I know what websites to look at? Like, it's just too big. It's too big to know what you're doing. And Disney yeah. made it even more so at this point with all of the bookings you have to make early mm-hmm. and all of the planning and the fast pass. And I mean, it's it's gotten to the point now that it's almost impossible unless you literally do it for a living like I do to know what the deal is there. So I do not, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, people are doing the best they can, you know, they're Mm -hmm. on their Facebook moms group and they're like, where should I go? Where should I stay in Disney world? And the Facebook moms are like, you should totally stay here. And they're like, okay, I'm going to stay here. Cause Lucy said, I should stay here. And that's all they got. That's all they have time for. They're moms. They're, you know, they're, they're full-time workers, whatever their dads, their parents. And, you know, so like, I don't, they don't have time to research at the level that we do, right? Like, yeah. this is just a one and done thing. I wouldn't know anything about Portugal. Like, so I do feel like um, they don't know what they're getting into. <laughs> There's a long way to get around to answer your question. They don't know what they're getting into. They have right. no clue. And so I, you know, that's why I just, th- that's another reason why I don't say someplace is good or bad. I really try to give the reasons why this place, you know, this place is like this and it's good for these types of people, you know, Mm -hmm. like T-Rex is not a good restaurant for everybody. T-Rex is a good restaurant if you have a little kid who loves dinosaurs because you can actually go there and sit inside a dinosaur and that's freaking awesome and he's going to love that. Yes. So like, you know, I I mean, anyway, I, I, I genuinely feel bad for the families who are like, what just happened? Like they get there and they're like, what in the world? What are we supposed to do with this? Um, cause there is just so much that you have to know in order to have a good time and make it worth your money. Right. Yeah. And, and that's, I, I think, yeah, like you said, one of the knocks against people, if they're just going like their one trip or something of all the planning, I do think, I mean, with, with COVID, if you can say there's any silver lining, you know, there's no fast passes anymore. Like you said, you need, you know, they're, they're allowing less people into the parks. You have to get reservations for things. I think if anything, it, it makes it a little bit easier to plan because now, you know, making reservations for restaurants is only like 60 days out. So mm-hmm. I know they're planning on keeping some of this, you know, park pass reservation system for a while and things. So I think if anything, you know, the next year or two, I think as Disney gets back to normal, it may be a little bit more accessible, you know, to the, to the people that, like you say, don't have time to kind of research it and plan it six months ahead of time. You know, where do I want to eat six months from now? You know, not having any idea. Yeah, I think they're definitely going to have fewer regrets because mm-hmm. I think that yeah. people who go into Disney World when there are fast passes and when, you know, there are evening parties or parades and fireworks and a lot of other things to plan around, you can have a lot of regrets because you're like, I didn't know. I mean, I can remember sitting next to this poor woman on Slinky Dog Dash. She had waited in that 180 minute line or however long it was to ride that roller coaster. Mm -hmm. And I was sitting next to her, literally making a fast pass for something else. And she's like, can you make fast passes on your phone? 
Oh, and I said, yeah. And she said, I thought you had to make all your fast passes before you got here. And then you couldn't make any more. And you had to go to a kiosk if you wanted to make them. And I said, nope, you can make them today. You can make it right now. You can make it on your phone. And I'm so, so sorry that I didn't find you six months ago and help you through this, you know, because I'm just like this poor woman, like, I can't even imagine how much money she was wasted by just standing in that line when she didn't have to, you know, I mean, it breaks my heart. It really does. But, um, I do think that things are easier now, obviously, because you you simply can't plan as, Mm -hmm. as much as you used to. Um, but now with the crowds, the way that they are, it's starting to get to the point that people are really wishing there was fast pass and, you know, things are starting to get a little crazy in, in the parks. And so I, I think that there's a lot of, of folks clamoring for it to come back soon. Yeah. That is the big, I think thing going around now is how crowded the parks are, you know, mm-hmm. are, are they really at 25% capacity? It feels more crowded. I mean, I, I, I tend to think it's, the lines are so spaced out and ride capacity so low, even if, you know, they are at 25% capacity, it's going to feel more crowded. It, so you yeah. are kind of seeing that, that waits times are going up and just with everything closed, it's, it's just kind of making the parks feel more crowded than it was even a few months ago. Yeah, absolutely. The parks feel more crowded than they were a few months ago. We just did a bunch of research this past week on wait times. We had all of our reporters kind of literally do, um, stopwatches of when they got in line and they noted the 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 wait time and for most of the rides we rode the the wait time was significantly less if not as low as 50% of what the posted wait time was okay yeah. but not for every ride some rides were actually longer um so it's not like an across the board thing but i think a good um a good thing to share when you're talking about the 25% capacity is that a Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party or a Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween Party, those are usually sold at about 25% capacity. So if you've been in a sold out party where there isn't social distancing in the lines and they don't have to stop and clean the rides every, you know, however many hours and, you know, all of that stuff isn't in place, those parties still feel pretty crowded Mm -hmm. and they don't run fast passes at those parties. And so those lines do get pretty long. Like you're not going to ride mine train, you know, with a five minute wait at those parties. You're still waiting 45 minutes. Right. Yeah, exactly. So if you think about it from that perspective, yeah, this does feel about 25% capacity, especially since, we are seeing that capacity sell out. Like you are seeing like there's no more availability left. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I do think that that I don't think Disney's lying. I think they are absolutely at 25%. Um, but that's that's a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're going to get wrapped up here in a few minutes. But I have one final question for you. What's sure. your favorite Disney character? <laughs> oh, I like Mickey. Nice. He is very <laughs> cute. He's my he's one of my favorite meet and greets i i think he he and chip and dale are the our favorites oh they're just the see you guys gotta go to garden crawl yeah we do yeah. we have not we we haven't been there we did the um we did the character breakfast at animal kingdom at the tusker house yeah mm-hmm. that, that was our first one garden Grill is mickey chip and dale and pluto Aww. and they're super adorable and they come around a million times because it's a tiny restaurant and the restaurant actually rotates the restaurant turns around. It's. I remember going to that restaurant when I was a little girl. It was called the Land Grill then. It was a fancy restaurant. 
And my parents took me and I was just like, I have that. That's burned in my brain. I remember that. They had <laughs> Mickey butter. They had like a giant three-dimensional Mickey butter sculpture. Oh, wow. Wow. Well, AJ, this has been great. If people want to learn more, if they're planning a trip and they want to get some ideas for food, um, where can they go to, to find out more from Disney Food Blog? Well, um, we're, of course, on the web at Disney Food Blog. We're on all your social media channels at Disney Food Blog and YouTube. We're on YouTube.com slash DFB Guide. Nice. All right, great. Thank you very much, AJ. Really appreciate having you on. Thanks, guys. All right. So that was a great interview. AJ, I want to thank her again for being on the show. It was really great having her on. Hopefully everyone yes. enjoyed listening to it. I'm sure they did. We had a great time <laughs> talking to her, so I'm we sure did. everybody enjoyed it. All right, so to get into Disney news, obviously things aren't going well again in the world with the global Ugh. pandemic. France is going back into a lockdown, so Disneyland Paris is closed again. You know, I don't necessarily think this means that Florida is next on the list or even like Shanghai or anything because they're still open for now. Um, I, I don't think there's any changes to that immediately, but it is interesting. France is going to be closed and it sounds like their plan is to try to reopen briefly for the holidays, but then to shut back down again at the beginning of January through February 12th. So it seems like if all goes well, they'll have a few weeks in December that they're reopened, but if all doesn't go well, they're going to probably be closed through the middle of February. Yeah, and I mean, we feel for the pe all those people impacted too. And and obviously it's you know, a lot of people aren't traveling. It's a difficult decision, you know, to travel. You know, I, I think there's nothing wrong with erring on the side of safety and not traveling, which makes it tough. And, you know, kind of with this with a with Paris closing, Disney has announced more layoffs and entertainment at Disney World, which again, that's very difficult to hear. You know, our our thoughts and everything are with mm -hmm. all the cast members affected i believe this is in addition to the twenty-eight thousand cast members you know that we talked about a few weeks ago so this is around the festival of the lion king the finding nemo show monsters inc uh, laugh factory i believe there's a few other ones i not remembering them all but again i mean disney kind of announced just at this point in time this type of entertainment doesn't make sense in kind of in this world they just can't do it safely i think and so they're laying all these cast members off i think the idea is once everything's safe, they'll come back. I mean, it is frustrating, though, that Disney can't keep these people kind of on the payroll. I mean, I understand they can't um, have these shows, but I, I do understand people's frustrations that it does seem like Disney is just kind of cutting everything they can to save a dollar here or there when, yeah, it's tough times. They don't know how long it's going to go on, but they are a multi-billion dollar corporation that I'm sure... If they kept these people on, it probably would help them in terms of corporate goodwill even more than the cost of keeping these employees for, you know, even if they said, hey, we're going to keep them for six months. We think it'll be kind of safe at that point to maybe do these shows. So we're going to pay them for the next six months. I think the goodwill you get from that just far outweighs the cost because right now the negative press they're getting, I think, is going to hurt them longer term than the savings they're getting by laying a lot of these people off. Yeah, I, I mean, this is really, this is really tough. Um, you know, our thoughts and prayers are, are with the people who are affected. Um, it is really difficult. So 
you know, kind of moving on to the next thing here, Disney is actually making some changes to the virtual queue for Rise of the Resistance. With, with the virtual queue, you no longer have to be in the park at 10 a.m. when the park opens. So at 7 a.m. every day, you can enter the virtual queue as long as you have a ticket and a park pass for Hollywood Studios. And so it sounds like you can kind of be anywhere. And so I think this opens it up to you know annual pass holders where they can kind of try to get a, a spot from home before they decide to go in. And this actually may really help too with crowding um, because you figure the people who are trying to get passes from home, they don't have to come to the park that day if they can't get on Rise of the Resistance. So then that means that, you know, it'll help Disney because, you know, Hollywood Studios is the one park that's, that's getting a little bit more crowded just because of Star Wars. Yeah, I definitely think this move is directly geared towards crowd control because just like we talked about with a lot of entertainment options, not coming back for the foreseeable future like you mentioned hollywood studios is the most crowded and i do think part of the problem is like you said you get a lot of people that you have to be in the park at 10 a.m you have to come to the park and then a lot of people aren't getting boarding passes so one i think those people are staying in the parks for at least a little bit because maybe to see if they can get the two o'clock one but two i think you're getting a lot of people that are very frustrated where they are deciding to make a trip they are deciding to travel and they're going to Hollywood Studios to ride this new ride, and they get there, and they can't, and they can't get in. Yeah. And so you have poor guest satisfaction, and you have high crowds. So I think what this does is I think this opens up a kind of new game plan if you're traveling. And I reached out to Disney a little bit about this. Yeah, this is brilliant. And I'm sorry that I made that sound like way more um, official than it was. I mean. <laughs> I don't have like Disney marketing contacts there or anything. Um, I talked to their customer support on their website. So it was just a, a chat with somebody. But I, I asked, can you change a park pass reservation the same day as long as you haven't entered the park? And they said that you can. So I think what kind of the interesting move is if you decide that you're planning a trip and you're willing to risk it a little bit, but I don't think it's a huge risk. I think you book a park pass multiple days at Hollywood Studios because like you said they're filling up so they're the hardest ones to get you get up at seven and if you don't get Rise of the Resistance you switch to one of the other parks because for the most part and I, and I looked out the next couple months I mean around the holidays Magic Kingdom is starting to book up a little bit but Epcot and Animal Kingdom are not and most days Magic Kingdom's available as well so I think you have a pretty good chance that if you don't get on a boarding group for Rise, two to three of the other parks are going to be available for you to switch to. So it might be a situation where it's like, you know, the day that you would normally book Animal Kingdom or something, maybe you do that because Animal Kingdom's probably, it's one of the larger parks. So they probably have a higher capacity and people aren't, it's not the Magic Kingdom, so they're not going to go there. So yeah, I think that this is a good way to game the system. Yeah, I think you do that. Or if you have an extra day that you're going to go to a, another park twice anyways, definitely book it for Hollywood Studios because it's easy to switch off. But I think that's the move. But I do think this will help crowds because I, like I said, I think you're going to get a lot of annual pass holders that are locals that probably have been going to Hollywood Studios just to ride Rise of the Resistance where, like you said, they'll check it at home. If they don't get a boarding group, there's really no point for them to come in at least until maybe one, 
one thirty to try for the two o'clock group. So now instead of having huge crowds at 10 a.m. every day, the crowds may not come in until later in the afternoon, which I, I think that's the problem they're, they're struggling with. I mean, the Skyliner, uh, there's a ton of people waiting for that in the morning to get to Hollywood Studios. There's a ton of people trying to get in right at 10 a.m. And I think they're trying to avoid those huge crowds. And I think this is a good move. And I, and I do think it, it really does, like we said, changes how you can kind of plan your trip if you do decide to go and I mean park passes are going to be here it looks like through next year so I think this is kind of a viable plan especially without park hopping um, for a while yeah that's an interesting workaround Um, yeah I think if anybody tries this let me know if it works because I I, because like I said in theory I think it's a smart move but I don't know in practice if it, if it really makes sense. This change from the parks is really practical from a holiday standpoint, too. Because, again, you have higher crowds coming in. So it's a way to kind of control that and get them down around Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, during the times where the park is more crowded anyway. Okay, I think that wraps up this show for today. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Please don't forget to leave us a rating or review. It really helps. And definitely head over to our YouTube. This past week, we released all of our unboxing videos. So we got six Disney subscription boxes, different ones, and we unboxed them all. And then we do a big pros and cons video of them. So be sure to head over there to figure out what subscription box you should be getting for the holidays. Thanks for lending us your ears. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you here next Monday. Bye.